What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. It is a miserable day, but nevertheless, I have my 3D energy drinks with that clean-ass matte blue with that nice 3D logo, and I'm going to take a nice little sip so I can get into the zone of this podcast. Today's podcast, guys, is going to be something that I'm massively into. I absolutely love the idea of of like biohacking and living forever and, and, and trying to find these solutions of living a very long time. Ironic, I know, I take steroids, funny. But like this is this is a big, big passion of mine and it's something that I've been looking into for years, to be honest. Um, and it's definitely like the big route that I'm going to take um, when I've kind of stopped bodybuilding really. You know, it's just going to go into this idea of, of, of how can you improve your life? How can you live longer? Um, how can you feel good just for the longest time possible really and there's so many things there's so many low-hanging fruit as I call it because if we've got a low-hanging fruit tree we can just pick it ourselves and take it Um, there's so many things that we can do to implement into our lives to improve um, and live a longer time without even thinking about it if you make them routine and you make them a habit they're just easy to implement so I'm going to run you through some things I'm going to open you up to some new ideas that you guys may have not talked about or thought about before um, but these are things I've picked up over the years of of listening and learning. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we can take um, from 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 different cultures and from different places that that have a higher lifespan. Um, there's actually a book called The Blue Zones, uh, which is essentially the areas of the world that has the highest amount of centenarians. Centenarians being people who live over a hundred. There are you know some pretty cool places across Europe. There's some places in in, in Asia. There's places all over the world that have these blue zones that have the highest amount of centenarians, highest amount of people living over a hundred in them. Sardinia is one, Okinawa in Japan is one. Um, but there's things that all of these places have in common. There are things that these blue zones do and, and implement into their lives that would, that would, that would you know, correlate to each other and it would make sense that they are helping the health and wealth of their life. So we can break down those a little bit and then I'm going to throw you in some, some of my tips um, that you can do to just give yourself a better chance of living longer life. Um, let's start at the very, very surface. Let's, let's, let's scratch the obvious ones out. These guys in the blue zones aren't smoking. Um, we know that smoking is probably the biggest cause of cancer and all cause mortality there is at the moment. Um, so don't smoke, probably a good idea. Um, all of these areas, blue zones, actually do consume alcohol, but the alcohol they are cons- uh, consuming is to a low to moderate amount. And it's usually like organic homemade wines and, and or you know organic beer or it's nothing like your Carlsberg or your Pilsner, you know, bottle. It's, it's absolutely nothing like that. It's actually, it's, it's real ingredients, organic. It's not gonna have any pesticides, any, it's not gonna have anything that will affect the profile. And in fact, they probably have a lot of positive flavonoids and, and polyphenols in there, which we know are kind of like, um, chemicals that plants would have that that can offer us a, a lot of benefit in terms of reducing inflammation and, and and things like that low to moderate alcohol intake try get your try get nice red wines in organic red wines where you can um non-bio touched and non-bio engineered um alcohol wherever you can um another thing that these guys tend to do is fast um they'll go into annual fasts or you know monthly fasts for a cup for a day or so um, so that's something that you could bring in. I definitely think that the, the, the benefits of an intermittent fast will negate if you do it every single day. And I think most people would agree with that um, who do intermittent fasting. You, like most people who don't intermittent fast, if you start intermittent fasting for a few days, you'll feel better. Like you will feel better. You know, your blood glucose will improve. Um, your blood sugar will be way more stable and things like that. Digestion will improve. Your, your cell autophagy, which is essentially the, the clearing of just old dead cells, um, and the reproduction of new cells um, happens during during fasting, during periods of fast. So periods of fast are needed, um, and that's something that these blue zones have in common, is that they do go through long periods of fast um, regularly. Um, they don't do it all the time. Like they'll, they'll definitely you know, eat, eat most days normally, but then every now and again they'll go under a fast, um, which is a pretty cool thing to note. Um, but nutritionally, if we, if we break it down like nutritionally, physically, and then the other things that they do, um, like they are eating real foods, they're eating single ingredient foods. Um, so obviously we live in a different 
we live in a different place than they do. Like I can imagine Sardinia is very old school. I can imagine Okinawa is very, very old school. Like for us, for, for us normal folk, we live in a Western society. We live in a place where we can go to Tesco's and get a sandwich with a hundred different ingredients in it, you know? So where you can, I would say you should be picking things that have single ingredients. Um, for example, like a potato is a potato, you know? Um, whereas if we get, oven chips You're like yeah okay oven chips you look at them and then you look at the, the ingredients and why did why is there 30 different ingredients in like a bit of potato that you put in the oven it doesn't make sense so where you can pick single ingredient foods general rule of thumb 80 20 80 percent single ingredient foods 20 percent not obviously ideally you want 100 single ingredient foods um, i'm definitely up towards 95 percent, and i'll have the odd the odd thing that will have like more ingredients than than say you know just wheat or whatever it is um, so be conscious of the food, obviously like eating McDonald's is, is common sense. We don't need to go over those kind of things. Um, eat lots and lots of fruits and vegetables. These guys are eating a wide spectrum of plants and vegetables and fruits. Um, they give a, a, an even wider spectrum of micronutrients. They're giving fiber, they're giving flavonoids, they're giving polyphenols, which we touched on earlier, things that will reduce inflammation, things that are going to help digestion, things that are going to um, upregulate testosterone, hormones, all these kind of things. In these blue zones, they're not really missing those. They're having big servings of vegetables. And we're not talking like get your five a day. We're talking like get your 10, 15 a day. Um, eat, 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 eat as many vegetables as you can, different textures, different fibers, different, you know, like hard ones, crunchy ones, soft ones, red ones, green ones, orange ones, you know, as many different colors and flavors as you can, because doing that, you're going to just widen that micronutrient profile. The only thing I would consider is just digestion. So, like some plants may irritate other people. Um, for example, if you take an Asian guy and you feed him a load of English plants, he's probably going to react. But if you feed him a load of Asian plants, he's probably not. And obviously vice versa is the same thing for, you know, like Western people going to the Far East. There's a reason why we get upset stomachs when we go to Thailand is because we're not actually used to the spices and, 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 and things that they use. So you've got to consider that. Um, legumes. So legumes are pretty darn good. Um, I, obviously they give you the, the, the theory is beans, beans make you fart. Actually, that's probably just in the cooking process. Like lentils, a lot of people, how many people will get lentils and just put them in a pot? You know, that's not how they're supposed to do it. They're supposed to be soaked for 24 hours. You know, then you could boil them for an hour, then you let them cool, then you boil them again. You know, there's so many cooking methods that you need for legumes, but legumes are, you know, naturally low glycemic. Um, so they're not going to spike blood sugars too much. Um, they've got a good amount of protein, fat in them, good fiber, and also great micronutrients in there. So a lot of these blue zones, a lot of these centenarians are eating a lot of legumes, um, like black beans, lentils, things like that. They're going to help reduce inflammation um, and reduce or cause mortality as well. So they, they, they have positive correlations. And it's not re like, like it seems of like now that I'm saying it, it seems obvious, like eat plants and vegetables. Yeah, of course, you know, like we just don't do it because it's, we're lazy or, you know, we just want that that food right now rather than actually making the effort to, to buy the right foods. So definitely something to consider. Um, but just make sure you, 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 you focus on the cooking process for legumes. Make sure you're doing the right cooking process for the right bean, for the right lentil, for the right thing. So um, very, very important. Um, hydration, like stay hydrated, you know, like the, 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 these, if, if you look at um, like Sardinian farmers, like and, they, and they've got to walk five to 10 miles a day. Um, obviously you're not going to look at them, but you know, from the research that I've, I've, I've looked at from the stories that I've heard, um, these guys are taking like, you know, big jugs of water, um, they're taking, you know, single ingredient foods and they're taking things that aren't going to spike their blood sugar re realistically. They don't know that they probably don't know that they're not bringing things that will spike their blood sugar and they're picking more of like a, I would say keto based, like lower carb foods. It's obviously just ingrained into their society, but those things will actually will, will lead, um, to, to like a, just a better, a, a better variability on glycemic index and, and actually having a low glycemic variability over the day, over the week, over the month, over the years, um, is actually shown to have a massive correlation between all-cause mortality. Obviously, higher variability in glycemic index, higher correlation to all-cause mortality. So a lot of the uh, biohackers or the, the, the guys that I follow who are looking to kind of live forever, they'll be wearing 24-hour blood glucose monitors in their arms, you know, and, and whatever food they have, they'll see the reaction. So they'll just avoid that food, you know, because there are individual discrepancies that you have to consider 
Um, but generally picking foods that are going to keep your, your glycemic variability lower. So that might mean that you, you that 50 to 75% of your meals are actually protein fat. Um, we've got to consider here that I'm not talking about bodybuilding. I'm talking about living a long time here. And there's a big, big dis- difference. Um, obviously, being a bodybuilder, being in the fitness industry, I say fitness, you know, it's not even fitness these days, but there's a big, there's a stark difference between wanting to live a long time and bodybuilding. Bodybuilding is not doing that. Bodybuilding is going the opposite direction. Pounding carbohydrates in, high glycemic index, uh, high glycemic variability, um, overtraining, blah, 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 and all these different things that are going to essentially shorten your life is what bodybuilding is doing. So I'm here to talk about extending it um, and, and, and being hydrated, coming back to that original point, um, is definitely one of them. A good rule of thumb for hydration just like get to the point where your wee's like pale yellow. If you're if it's see through and it's clear, you're overhydrated and you're actually you know you're actually overhydrated. So pale yellow is is the general go to. It might be different depending on what you've done that day. You know, for example, I can't say have two to three liters a day because what happens if you sweat two or three liters that day? You need actually need a bit more to account for that. So water intake will vary will be varied depending on what you're doing, obviously. But you know, just make sure you're trying to get to your your pee to a, a a light, a light yellow. It's a nice little visual for you. There are things you can look at water with, like uh, like restructured water or hydrogen water. Have been shown to have some positive effects. I don't know loads about them, but I've I've been looking a little bit into hydrogen water, and it'd be something that I'm going to experiment with a little bit later on down the line. Um, but whenever you're trying to buy a bottle of water, always try and get a glass bottle. Obviously, the uh, the, the, the plastics, not only for the environmental side, but also for the, the estrogenic pop, pop properties that the plastic can release into into water um, over time, especially ones that are probably picking up off the shelf because they've been in storage for a few months already and, and they've been leaking, you know, plastics into, into the water. So you've got to be considerate about that. That's a big, big thing that I, I'm trying to do right now. I've just bought a, a, a new renewable bottle, metal stainless steel. Um, that I'm going to use and I'm going to stop my plastic use because one, for the environmental environmental factors, but two, for my own health, my own health and well-being. So if you're someone who, who suffers with high estrogen, um, male or female, because it, having high estrogen in male or female is, is not necessarily a good thing, um, stay away from plastics because it, 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 ca- it can have an effect. And there are some, some research into saying that it can, can have an effect. So there's definitely something that you need to consider. Um, so generally speaking, if you were to round up nutrition, um, lower carbohydrate meals, you know, have your carbohydrates when you, when you move more, like for example, in these blue zones, when are they having like bigger carbohydrate meals? Normally in the evening when they've had like a hard day's work. Um, so that would make sense, you know, like you've got a demand for carbohydrates when you actually do exercise. So it would be, it would make sense to provide that you're then better equipped to, to dispose of that. However, if I'm just giving you carbohydrates when you don't necessarily need it, i.e. an off-season, we're just raising blood sugar and we're just raising that glycemic variability for, no, well, obviously we're trying to gain muscle and gain, you know, gain weight. Um, but if you were to look to be healthy, you're just putting that in there for no reason. So in fact, give your body what it needs. Protein fat is probably going to be the best option 60, 70% of the time. And then when you've, you've had your workout or you've got a workout coming up or you've got some exercise to come up or some activity to come up, pre post food easy very very easy this will this will help keep you uh, your blood variability your blood glucose variability stable um, and also help put your fats up a little bit you know a big thing that we miss as as a society are essential fatty acids i think the main reason is because we think we're getting enough fat because there's fat in everything these days because it's just trace horrible shitty fat like if you take a fucking a chicken and stuffing sandwich from you know, Tesco's, there's like 27 grams of fat in there. You have two of those, that's like my daily intake of fat. And I've had not one single portion of essential fatty acids in there, you know. So focus on essential fatty acids, like get some nice dark chocolate in there for the flavonoids, for the nitric oxide production. Get some olives in there, get some olive oil in there, get some coconut oil in there, MCT oil, ghee, um, all these different things, even some cheeses are great, you know, organic cheeses are great. Um, if, if you're fine with lactose, then, then, you know, you can get some milk in there, and, but just get some whole pasteurized, um, like untouched as much as possible milk. And you're going to, you know, you're really going to increase your chances of, 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 of getting your micronutrients in and, and hitting all those boxes. 
Um, I think that that pretty much covers like things to do nutritionally. Um, obviously, staying away from shit food and eating healthy, you know. Um, but in conjunction with that, something that you can enhance your nutritional side is by getting blood tests. Um, I'm fortunate enough to work with a company called Medichex. Now, Medichex they do private blood testing, so they they mostly they test for like. Uh, hormones, vitamins, minerals, and all this kind of stuff. But they also do like um, food intolerance checks and all this kind of stuff. So I would I would say that you should probably get a full panel on your health and well-being anyway. There's a package on there called the Sports Wellman Vitamin Package or something. It will give you your vitamin D levels, magnesium levels. It will give you inflammation. It will give you a HbA1c, which is your which is like a a 90 day snapshot of your glycemic variability, which is really really good to have. For example, when I had it. Uh, I had mine taken in, in the end of my off season. I was like borderline pre-diabetic because I'd obviously been pounding food so high. That's something that I'd look to avoid next time. So I'd be a little bit careful of how I'm putting my food. Um, if I was to take it now, it'd obviously be way lower because I'm cutting, I'm reducing my food, I'm reducing my glycemic variability. But the idea was would be to have that HbA1c down. Um, also things like hormones, you know, liver, kidney, all these things, you know, food, food will affect those things. So putting yourself in a position where you know what you need to correct, um, nutritionally, like a blood test would, would sort that out. Like if you're not having enough vitamin D, you know, you need to supplement with vitamin D, you know? Um, I think supplements, like I don't want to spend a lot of time on supplements because like these blue zones and these people who are living for a hundred years old, they're not like popping liposomal glutathione and liposomal vitamin C that they're, they're literally just consuming it. So I think first put of call, consume your vitamins and minerals. However, because of the society we're in, because of the, the, the place that we're in, because of the access of food and stuff, um, you might need to, um, supplement a few things. For example, most people need vitamin D in England because it's not sunny enough. Most people need magnesium because there's not enough metals in, in, in food and stuff. So though, those are good options for supplements, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go on and on and about supplements because at the end of the day, if you're nutritionally compromised, physically compromised, you know, recovery compromised, you've got no business taking supplements. So relax, sit time. Oh, it's so good. It's unbelievable. Someone asked me, uh, what's better, Monster or 3D? 3D literally shits all over it. It's unreal. Um, let's go into some physical stuff. So there are things that we can take from these blue zones. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. They aren't bodybuilders. They aren't training as hard as we are. In fact, they engage in low-level activity regularly throughout every single day. That means they're getting fifteen to 20,000 steps. That means they're standing up and putting down, which means they have manual labor jobs, which means they're doing things consistently. And it's actually this low-level activity that is keeping them mobile and keeping them functional for a long period of time. Um, however, I would say that we have things now that we can... You know, like, you know, like when I'm picturing these blue zones, I'm picturing like Sardinian old town, you know, carrying the fucking milk to the goat from the goats and stuff still. Like, I imagine that's how it still is. Obviously, if you're living in London, you're not going to be doing that kind of thing. Um, so my advice to you, um, if you're an office worker, if you're someone who's got low level activity um, and you're at a desk or something, stand up, standing up, we know is going to burn a lot more calories than sitting down taking regular breaks, regular walks. I take a 10 to 15 minute walk after every meal because we know it aids digestion, also aids my movement and in aiding digestion, it will reduce glycemic index. So going on regular walks after a meal, um, not pushing yourself to failure on, on a, on a, on a deadlift. Guess what? That's actually pretty good for you. Um, and, and taxing your central nervous system as hard as people do in bodybuilding is not a good thing. So low level activity continuously throughout the day. This might mean that you do two hours of work and then guess what? You just do 25 air squats and you jump up, you get your heart rate up to 120, 130, and then you stop. It's those spikes in heart rate that, that seems to seems to lead to a lot of benefits later on down the line. Um, but obviously we live in a, a modern day world where we can actually do things specifically for specific things, you know, whereas these guys are probably just living their lives in the blue zones. They're probably, you know, they have to walk 15, 20,000 steps to go get the milk from, from the goats. And, you know, they have to carry that 15, 20 kilo barrel all the way back down to the farm and stuff like, cause it's their job, it's their lifestyle. We don't, 
we live in that convenient lifestyle. We live in a place where we can get on, get on a bus and work at, and then end up at our door and then, you know, walk to our, to our office where we can sit down. So there are things that we need to implement and we can implement. Um, and if you haven't got the time, there are things that we can do. So number one is going to be cardiovascular exercise. Improving cardio, cardiovascular function is going to improve blood flow. It's going to improve digestion. It's going to improve glycemic variability. Um, and it's just going to help you, it's going to help your heart pump for longer, you know, like your heart is a muscle. If you're constantly sat down, you're constantly at 70 to 80 beats per minute. You never get those spikes. It's not getting stronger. Your heart is not getting stronger. Um, so, so working yourself out, I would say two to three times over 30 minutes is an absolute must. And I would go for like 130 to 140 beats per minute. I would like double your resting heart rate cardiovascularly for an extended period of time. So that works cardiovascular function. We then need to consider other things that are working on a cellular level, like mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. I'm sure you guys remember that that snapshot phrase, mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, from like GCSE biology. Well, guess what? If you don't train the powerhouse of the cell, the cell becomes weak and the output becomes lower, the output becomes lower, you become weaker and everything goes down. So you have to put yourself in a position where you're exercising mitochondria. The best position to do that is going to be high intensity interval training. Now, as bodybuilders, we are working at high intensity and we are also interval training because we're going for two to five minutes on a set, we're then resting and then we're going again. And that that is a form of interval training. So if you're doing bodybuilding, you've kind of got that covered. However, if you're not, I would say that you should be doing some form of high intensity. I would like, if I'm going to build a healthy quote unquote lifestyle exercise program, I'm having two to three sessions of cardiovascular work. I'm having two to three sessions of of like gym work. And we'll call that, you know, like a full body, full body, maybe twice a week. We're then having one session of sprints and, and, and that'll be on a rower. It'll be on a bike. It'll be on something like that. That's really going to push lactate into the muscle um, and challenge those, those like those processes to filter out the lactate, to bring the lactate and, and all those kind of things, because pushing yourself to that area is going to allow you to recover more and it's going to allow you to last longer. If you're not implementing the basics, the, the little shit doesn't matter. You know, it, it's, it's much like with supplements and bodybuilding, people go, what's the best intro? What's the best this? It doesn't actually matter unless you've got 99% of everything else in, then that 0.1% is going to matter, you know? So when I get people ask me about, how much citrulline, how much creatine, it's like, well, have you got your sleep sorted, this sorted, that sorted, this sorted, this sorted, oh, you haven't? Go back and do that, then worry about this. It's the same thing with this. And then finally, functional work. So I think one to two times a week, you should be functionally moving in in every plane of movement, and this will be to keep you strong. You've got some parents who are getting older, keep them moving, keep them moving, keep them moving. It doesn't have to be crazy active, it just means you know, get them on a treadmill for half an hour, get them on a bike for half an hour. Anything that keeps them moving is going to help your immune system, your immune function. It's going to help your muscle structure. It's going to help your bone structure, your joint health. It's going to help everything. And as soon as one thing falls off the wagon, the rest just seems to follow. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the way the saying goes is like break a hip, get pneumonia because their immune system just goes and they can't stay active and they can't do that. So just staying active for a very long time, being, being functional in it. So for example, you want to do something that you pick up off the floor, you know, because obviously we pick things up on the floor. You want to do something that you reach up because obviously we reach up. You want something that we twist because obviously we twist. Um, and you want to work through those planes of motion so that if you do get into that plane of motion, your body's not, I've not done this this in ages. For example, someone who sits on their ass for 10 years and then they think, oh, I want to go play badminton like I used to. They go play badminton and they are absolutely wrecked. It's because they're not used to it, but you've got to keep it there. You've got to keep it in the background um, and keep it there the whole time. So I think that summarizes phys- physical wellness, physical things that you can do to improve your life. Don't overtrain. Don't be a triathlete. Don't be a marathon runner. Don't be a bodybuilder. Just do low levels of activity. Be consistent, you know, be functional. Think about your mitochondria health. Think about your cardiovascular health. And I think you'd be in a very, very good position. Um, another thing that these guys have in, 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 in common, um, is a social aspect. And this is quite cool for me when I, when I was listening to this and, and, and reading about it, they all have social dinners. They have social gatherings. They, they put themselves in a position where they, they eat together, you know, they drink together, they have evening drinks together. They, they, they work together. And, and these social interactions seem to have very, very positive impacts on their life. So, um, whether it's the release of oxytocin, I've got that one right this time. 
um, or, or just other hormones and pheromones that get released in human interaction. We know that like the moment that you touch someone, literally the moment you touch someone, there is a chemical exchange there. And those chemical exchanges can release endorphins, dopamine, um, oxytocin, things like that, that can really, really help. So if you've got a family out there and you've got a son, a wife or whatever, and a boyfriend, girlfriend, make it, make it an effort to do things together, make it an effort to either eat together, um, Maybe you've got a weekly a weekly trip that you go on, you know, breakfast together, all these different things that can help promote interrelationships, in social relationships with each other, and create dialogue and, and converse. Because when we when we've just got phone, laptop, TV, always it's just like you're not in the re- call it the real the TVs and shit is the real world these days, but we're just not with each other. We're not having that social interaction. We're not getting those same chemical processes happen. So sit back and, and, and watch yourself at dinner time. And are you guys just sat there fixated at goggle box eating repeatedly and just not thinking about talking to each other? You know, all you need is an hour or two a day, you know, it's going to build your relationships. It's going to make you have a better relationship with someone. It's going to make you feel better. Um, and, and that's not even going into the chemical exchanges that will be happening. So these guys really, really seem to have social aspects, um, which kind of link into everything. So I, th- I think that's quite cool to, to note. You know, you've got, you've got nutritional, physical and social aspects that these guys kind of partake in to improve their lives. And, and then finally, just some like extra things um, that I want to throw in there, kind of just around health and well-being and things that you could like put in your life and that will immediately make you healthier, bar the things that I've already done. Um, so we have these things called hormetic stresses. Now, hormetic stresses, they do stress you. They are like, they can kill you, essentially. They are things that can kill you, but in low doses will make you stronger. So actually, there is a there is a method to that saying. Um, let me give you an example. Cold, heat, physical activity. Um, some plants can be a hormetic stress and give you gut irritation. So if you have too much cold, you die. If you have too much heat, you die. Too much exercise, you die. But in low levels, in small doses... These hormetic responses, hormetic stresses, actually drive our body to deal with these stresses a little bit better. So when it gets to that position where you know we are cold or we are heat hot, we deal with it way way better. Um, we know that like things like saunas release heat shock proteins, which can help lipolysis, which is the breakdown of fatty acids, which is essentially fat burning. We know that they can help muscle building. Um, in fact, a study in Sweden, um, it was over like twenty. 20- I think it was over like 40 years or something. I'll see if I can find it and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, and it showed like what the, the effect that saunas had on the, a very, very similar population. Um, and it increased lifespan by four to five years. Um, and they were doing th- three to four sessions of 30 minutes a week. So actually pretty hefty doses of, of sauna. Um, but the benefits just seemed amazing. And it, it's a different sweat. It's a deep, deep sweat. And if you think about um, detoxification in the body. Obviously, we have these detoxification processes, but the biggest organ for detoxification is your skin, and it is it's sweating. So sweating is absolutely paramount. So make sure you are sweating multiple times a week, whether it's through cardio, you know, heat, 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 heat um, therapy, or whatever it is. Make sure you're having a, a sweat, and and saunas can produce like a deep, deep sweat and a deep detoxif- detoxifying. Uh, process, so it's definitely something that you can you can look into. The same thing with 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 um, with cold, it, it can improve your vasculature and your vasoconstriction dilation, and, and a lot of the things that Wim Hof, the Ice Man, if you don't know Wim Hof, he's someone who's seemingly got control of his autonomic nervous system and doesn't feel the cold anymore. He also doesn't get ill anymore because he can control his vasculature so well that he can just drive all of his blood to his organs and, and to healthy places. I say not healthy places, to the places that need it the most. Um, it's crazy. Like he's been studied, like hooked up. They've injected him with like uh, with toxins. They've injected him with infections, and he's literally just been there and done his like Wim Hof method, which is like a breathing method, and his like autonomic nervous system control method. And he's fought off the infection before it even got there. You know, you see his white blood cells upregulate before the injection is even there, gets the injection, and they just absolutely tear it off. It's crazy shit. There's a lot of documentaries on Vice, Vice that you can check it out. Um, so cold is one of these hormetic stresses, and, and, and he is a big advocate of the hormetic stress of cold. Uh, he's got a few world records in, like, swimming in, like, the Arctic or something. 
and like in his shorts. He also got to Everest uh, Camp Three in his shorts, and then he had to turn back because he got frostbite in his toes. Like he could have climbed fucking. He had no oxygen either. Like it's crazy shit, and it's about all, all about autonomic nervous system control and switching between parasympathetic and, and, and sympathetic. So it was an amazing thing to look into. Um, so that kind of hot and cold contrast is definitely something. Plants, um, for example, if you get kale and you rip up kale and then you put it in a bag overnight and use it in your salad, actually that kale will think it's being eaten by a wild animal. It will then re- release some more chemicals that will kind of. Um, increase like its hormetic stress which can actually give you a positive effect but if you were to have like you know two kilos of ripped up kale you would have the shits and you would you know it wouldn't go down well so these small doses of hormetic stresses are really good you know like 30 minutes in the sauna or 10 minutes in cold shower or alternating ice baths and things like that to train your vasculature um, which are all cool things grounding i've talked about grounding a little bit before so grounding is literally just standing on like the ground you know something that doesn't conduct electricity with no ele- electricity or electrons on you and then and then literally just just standing there and then allowing like the free-flowing electrons from your body and the earth like exchange and it's a bit like it's crazy stuff man like is you literally just walking outside and standing on the grass can help you reduce inflammation and reduce all cause mortality um i will put this study in 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 the show notes as well it, it's just crazy i put i put it on my story the other day i put it on my youtube channel as well the other day and literally just standing on the grass with nothing on you it can help you massively um, I've talked a bit about sunlight as well. So sunlight, get as much sunlight as you can to help circadian rhythm. We know the blue light from from sunlight is very, very healthy for circadian rhythm, can promote promote melatonin release, your sleep hormone, and also serotonin release, which is help like the stay asleep hormone, um, staying away from, from things at night to kind of help sleep. Sleep, you've got to sleep well. We know that if you sleep less than seven hours a night, six hours a night, you are literally killing yourself. And it's crazy. Some of the data on it, I urge you to go listen to Matthew Walker's book, uh, Matthew Walker's Ted talk, Matthew Walker's podcast of Joe Rogan. It will never like it. It will make you want to just go to sleep right there. And then <laughs> it's honestly like it's scary stuff. It's really, really scary. Like sleeping less increases your chance of dementia, increases your chance of of, of um, Alzheimer's increases the risk of cancer like night I said this on my last podcast of TM cycles night shifts are now considered a carcinogen and, and cancer inducing so if you if you you know if you're sleep not sleeping during the nighttime when you should be genetically and biologically you should be sleeping because that's how we are bought we are our hormone regulation is obviously sunset comes down melatonin increases we get sleepy we fall asleep serotonin releases while it's dark and then as the sun comes up melatonin releases inhibited serotonin releases inhibited we wake up so obviously having different light spectrums during that window when we're supposed to be dark will fuck up the hormone regulation and actually it's now like considered cancerous if you're fucking up that regulation so um sorry if you are on a night shift right now listening to this but that's the reality of it if you value your health i would get away from it if you can if you, if you just physically can't you've got to try and mitigate as much as you can pretty crazy um that's pretty much it guys like i don't want to overwhelm you with information it's very very easy just to rant on about this stuff if you guys enjoy this kind of thing drop me a rating tell me you enjoy it um drop me a dm on instagram at josh bridgman um and just tell me you like this kind of stuff because i love talking about this kind of stuff and i could go on forever and ever um, so I will do. So on to the questions, guys, and then we'll get a little bit of a story time to finish. So I will bang through some questions for you guys um, and just try to get through as many of these as I can and try to give them value. So first question is alcohol and weed and sleep. So both alcohol and weed will affect your sleep. They'll both decrease your REM sleep um, and also your deep sleep. So in order for deep sleep to happen, you need to kind of, your heart rate needs to lower, your breathing rate needs to lower, your temperature needs to lower. Both weed and, um, or THC should I say, THC, tetrahydrocannabidiol versus CBD is different. THC will kind of raise your heart rate a little bit, find it harder to get cool, same as alcohol, therefore will affect your deep sleep. Um, THC will also inhibit your REM sleep so you won't dream as much which is why if any of the smokers out there stop smoking for a week you have crazy dreams because your body's playing catch up on REM sleep Um, so yeah I would just avoid 
I would avoid THC and, and, and alcohol pre-bed and just focus on CBD um, to it to promote a healthy sleep. However, if you sleep pretty well with, with either or, in fact, fuck alcohol. I wouldn't ever drink alcohol. If you, if you sleep right with weed, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, as long as you're not feeling rubbish in the morning because THC can have an effect on your cortisol dump in the morning. So if you feel rubbish in the morning, um, that'll be why. Um, nutrient timing in an off-season. So nutrient timing in, in an off-season is probably less important than, than on-season, though it will be set up the same way. And this is how I'd set it up. Regular protein feedings of highly bioavailable. You can, you can tell I've said this a hundred times. Regular protein servings of highly bioavailable protein of a minimum of 30 grams of protein so that we can get adequate essential amino acid leucine, though you want a full amino acid complex making it a complete protein. Most of these sources will be from animal proteins. So that'll be your protein for, you know, three, four servings a day is, is, is adequate enough to, to spike muscle protein synthesis, minimum of 30 to 40 grams, so you get the leucine in there. If it's an animal protein, you've got a full amino acid complex. Carbohydrates, um, we know we stimulate glucotransporter GLUT4 while we train, so we have an upregulation of that, which means that we can actually digest and assimilate more carbohydrates post-workout, so we would always put a big bulk of our carbohydrates post-workout. We would obviously feed pre, um, and then we know that the combination of EAAs, and highly branched condition will actually help mitigate muscle protein breakdown while we train intra. So I would have an intra workout as well. Um, and then obviously, if you're really, really high into an off-season, food's going to be high everywhere, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But if you're in an on-season, you obviously want to be a bit more tactical with your carbohydrates and everything moving forward. So yeah, recovery of a natural testosterone post-prep. So when I did my competition last year, naturally, or last time out, naturally, my testosterone went, so the minimum is like nine nanomoles per liter. Mine ended up at 3.5 nanomoles per liter. So I was un, like, if I'd gone to the doctors, they probably would have put me on TRT type thing. Um, but the main thing that you can do to recover, it took me six months to recover, by the way. Um, it's pretty savage. I did my blood test every three months and checked. Um, you got to gain the fat back. You need the fat to kind of maintain your hormones. Cholesterol, testosterone is cholesterol derived. So you need to kind of up your, up your fats a little bit. Obviously going into a deficit, you tend to have a lower fats so you can prioritize carbohydrates. So bump your fats back up, gain actual body fat. If you're, if you're peeled, I'm going to take it that you're peeled, gain like four kilos straight away. You know, enjoy like two, three days off. That'll put you, enjoy two days off. That'll put you fucking six kilos up. You'll then bump your food pretty, pretty aggressively, like 500 calories. You're probably half your cardio. Um, and then just run that for a week and just see what happens. If you just put on loads of weight, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't adjust anything. Most likely you'll probably reduce that water weight that you put on from the show, post show, you find an equilibrium and then you just build up from there into an off season pretty much. But a lot of it is going to be about recovery. Like don't, you, there's, you're not, not in a position, if you're on, if you're assisted, it's a bit different, but if you're not in a position where you can push post show, no, sorry, you are not in a position where you can push post show because you don't have testosterone. I made a video in 2017, the most anabolic you will ever be saying that the most anabolic you'll ever be is post show. No, 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 no. That's completely wrong and I'll hold my hands up. That is the least anabolic you'll be. It is completely about recovery. If your testosterone is 3.5 nanomoles per liter, testosterone being a huge driver of hypertrophy and, and muscle gain and fat loss, you're not in a position where you're going to gain loads. You feel like you are because your body is absorbing every single nutrient, but you're not. And you feel like you're getting stronger because you're regaining old muscle. You're not getting, you're not like, you're not recovering any quicker. You're not in a uh, anabolic phase. You're actually in a least anabolic phase. So I would spend like a couple of weeks bringing body weight up to a nice place, maintain for a couple of weeks. Then I'll deload after like a month post-show, deload, reduce all that fatigue and then start my off season. That'd be pretty easy. What after this prep? Um, so I've got this competition on the 21st of July. I've then got another one soon after. I'm not going to say when just now. That's going to be a pro qualifier. So it'll be a shot on my pro card. I will then have two lots of judges feedback one, a pro status, which will give me feedback as to where I need to go from there. If I need to get bigger, I'll call it quits because I can't really push the drugs that high. I don't really want to push the drugs that high to gain muscle on a prep, especially when I'm hanging out my ass already. Um, if the size is good, I need to improve conditioning or posing. Cool, I'll go on to the September shows, um, but we'll make a decision from there. Should steroids be talked about more? This is a good question, and I picked it because I'm a bit in two minds. Like, If you talk about them more, they become less... A thing like they become more fine so like you know i get people messaging me about steroids like it's willy-nilly steroids are a big fucking deal 
they are a big fucking deal. And, and for you to just think that because me and TM Cycles or, and other people out there talk about them pretty, pretty like calmly and it's because we're used to it for one, we're used to talking about it and we're used to doing it. It's still a big thing and don't just disconsider it. Uh, don't not consider that it's very, very important. So if we talk about it more, it almost down-regulates the stigma so more people might be into it. But then the double-edged sword, the caveat to that is if we talk about it more, we can educate people more. So I don't actually know the answer to that question, um, which is, which is yeah, it's a, it's a hard question. It's, it's a hard balance and you'll see that it's a balance I've been trying to find between education and not making it like normal for people to take you know and, I, and I've got a pretty good stance on who should be taking it and who shouldn't so just got to be careful with how, with how you do it um will you be moving into gh insulin use and in your as your ped use progresses so I don't know enough about growth hormone and insulin the interactions of um I would definitely have to have someone with me who who does for example someone like joe jeffrey it's funny because he answered this question he asked this question like joe jeffrey um callum i'm sure could coach me through it um if it's a step and i understood the step and i understood everything then yeah i don't see why i wouldn't use those things because i know that people do i have this goal i have this time period that i i need if i need to push it i need to push it and it's the way it will be so that'd be cool um, a rundown on my weekend away, the muscle mental seminar, this will come, um, but there's a lot to learn and it's very, very complicated to just explain to everyone. So I will do that. Um, advice, sorry, no, seven to eight days, no gym. What do you do to preserve as much muscle in those days? Uh, just eat enough protein. That's pretty much it. Seven, it's a week. It's nothing's really going to do. Um, it's not really a big deal. If the machine you need is already in use, do you wait for them to finish or do different? I normally just wait. <laughs> I'm not too bothered. What football club do you support? Liverpool. It's been a big season. I could, uh, imagine we did the double. Fucking hell. Feels. Feels. Um, how to know that it's the right time to add another set per muscle group per workout? Um, are you progressing? Yes. Are you recovering? Yes. You don't need to change anything. <laughs> Are you recovering? No, you need to change something. Is it really, really easy? Yes. Add more wine. Simple. Uh, benefits of Epsom bath salts on prep and their use of frequency. So it can help with cellular hydration. It can help remove lactic acid. It can help remove any inflammation. It can help kind of your upregulation of magnesium a little bit. It's not a make or break. It's just something that feels nice and it gets you a good sweat. It wouldn't make a difference if you're on prep or not. Um... In your in your personal opinion, what age and how long experience and how much experience should one have before cycling? I'm assuming you mean steroids. Um, in my opinion, you probably need to get into your twenties. You probably need to be training at least five years, and you need to be genetically gifted. That's what I say. Um, but that's my personal opinion. Your personal opinion can be completely different. So, yeah. <laughs> Low sex drive during and after prep, dealing with no sex during new relationships. So sex drive is something that I have really started to, to dwindle. My, like, I don't masturbate as much. Like, I, I was a fucking three-a-dayer. Uh, sorry, any ladies listen to this, but I was like a three-a-dayer when I was in my off-season. Very, very horny. I'm, I'm a sexually motivated person, a sexually charged person. So to go from that, and then obviously my girlfriend's pretty sexually charged as well. So you can imagine when we're together, it, it goes down. Um, but having to make that transition with a relationship with some, with also with a partner who's not not a bodybuilder and has never experienced like a prep and no like imagine just a normal person and then you have sex all the time and then suddenly your partner just goes oh, I don't really want it it's very very difficult mentally you know and and Amy my girlfriend has been unreal about it because we've obviously ha obviously having way less sex. Um, I'm way less like I've got way less energy for sex you got to think I'm, I'm pushing my body I've got so much stress my body's not really thinking about having sex or reproducing it's thinking about preserving muscle and losing and trying not to die um, there's no two, two ways about it so and then essentially libido is going to go down regardless of exogenous testosterone use or not it was probably preserved a little bit longer because of that but I can say it's gone now like I don't I, don't, I probably masturbate every every like five, six days, you know, less than that. And, I, and even then I'm like, oh, this is a fucking effort. Uh, that's very personal. I'm sorry that I've, I've put that on you guys. And then when I'm with my girlfriend, like I, we try and just do it earlier in the day because if it's before bed, I'm fucked. More than likely she's fucked. So 
a lot of communication has to go down. Like if I just, like, I actually made that mistake of just not really explaining it, and we just stopped having as much sex. So you know, you can imagine how she felt. That was my mistake. I should have explained like, oh, by the way, like I'm really not feeling any kind of sexual, you know, arousal. You know, and so a lot of communication is needed. Um, it's only temporary. Like it's going to come back. Obviously, it's like a couple months that will be affected, which is you know pretty hefty for someone else to consider. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just a thing that you got to deal with. And if you have got the right partner, she's she'll be sorting you out. Will you break down your drug protocol? Um, yeah, dude, I'm gonna run through every single drug that I'm taking because um, the list is getting on now. Um, Post show with my coach, and he's gonna explain exactly why he made the decisions and where. Um, I could do that, but if I'm gonna, if I put over the information wrong and incorrect, it looks bad on him. It looks bad on me. And I don't want to do it, Brandon. So, not going to do that. Um, so, uh, last few questions: Is the bur- is the beard staying on for the show? It should. Um, nah, it's going to come off. It's going to come off very, very soon. Um, I think, like in men's physique, they actually mark you head to toe, including your hair. So it makes sense for me to kind of not do that. Um, Saw a vid on, the last one now, saw a vid on caffeine and effects on sleep you did. If you train at 8pm, would you use a pre? No, I would not. No, I would not. Because caffeine has a six hour half-life. Take 200 milligrams of caffeine at 8pm. At 4am, you've still got 100 milligrams of caffeine in you. That is not a recipe for a good sleep. If you remember what I talked about, deep sleep, we need a heart rate to drop. Caffeine keeps your heart rate up, so we won't be able to do that. Final question, how to structure progression when taking the low volume and high intensity approach? Just literally pick two rep ranges, three rep ranges, work your weights up in those rep ranges um, and just progressively overload them. Track your track your weights through rep count and it'll be easy peasy lemon squeezy. And finally guys, on to story time. My God, we have not had a story time in a while. I realized that um, this, this podcast has dragged on so I appreciate you for staying on if you have done you are the real MVPs and anyone who loves a good story time, here is one for you. So let me set the scene. Obviously, you guys know I partake in cannabis. Um, I smoke a joint every now and again. Let me tell you the story about the time I got caught with my two friends. So let's take. I'll take you back about five, six years. How old am I? 26. So I was about 19 years old, seven years ago. I had a Peugeot 206. It was sky blue. It racketed everywhere it was an old old car and I used to pick up all my mates every single night and we'd all jump in the car we'd all wind up the windows we'd hotbox the shit out of it so, so one faithful night um I live in like a like a rural area right so there's lots of like different farms and just long roads and all this kind of stuff so we pull into one of these spots like the farm we call it the spot because we always used to go there um, it's just like a little pathway. There's a gate there into the into the into the field. We park just in front of the gate, and then there's like a dirt track that comes in front of it that you have to drive down to get in. Now the dirt track, I never, I we literally saw a car come past one or two times, and then you do the whole. <gasps> everyone just sits quiet, puts the joint down to the bottom, winds down the windows a bit, and then the car drives by, and then you go ah. So it's very much one of those nights. We had a few cars go by. There was, there was three of us in there, me, actually, I'm not going to compromise them. Um, I was the driver. I had someone in my, in my passenger seat and, and someone in the back. And we had like, uh, we had like two or three grams of weed. Not, not really that much between three people. Like I, I did criminology at university. So I kind of knew the rules and kind of what I could be doing and not. And we had rolled this massive joint. So imagine a king skin. So imagine the long papers. For those of you guys that don't smoke, the long, long papers, not the short ones that people roll up. The ones that are like triple the size. We'd put two of those end on end. So you can imagine it's like a 10 inch joint. Typical stupid young stoner stuff. Put like, you know, a gram and a half of weed in it. Um, and we're just like smoking this thing. And we just see this car like pull up in front of us. And then we're all just like, what the fuck is this? Like the car, the, the lights remain on, it's pitch black. It's it's from the side. So you can't really see like the car and you can't really see the people in it because we're looking at the lights and the lights have made it really dark on the inside. If you can imagine that. And I'm like, why are they fucking pulled up in front of me? I was like, should I just drive out? Because they gave me like a little wedge where I could drive out and then we could just drive off. Cause it wasn't like a marked police car or anything. And then my friend's like, nah, 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 nah. And then, I look and I just see that 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 flash, 
that you know that that what you don't want to see that reflectivity of the fucking vest that he's wearing and i'm like oh it's the police so i so i wind down the windows because obviously it's gonna be stinking of weed anyway in my head i'm thinking what's going on so i wind down my window someone gets out of the car and i'm like here we go i've got to stop moving pass the joint to my friend because he's going to come to my window he like holds the joint by his like left hand side this woman comes to my window knocks on the window i'm like hi are you right yeah and she's like what's going on here then i'm like oh, i'm just smoking a joint with my friends i'm really really sorry like uh i just i didn't think we were harming anyone out here i can't believe that you've pulled up and like i'm pr- i'm pretty confident this at this point because it's like we've got two grams of weed there's three of us got to grind it like nothing's gonna happen you get like a cannabis warning she goes okay i'm just gonna need you to step out of the car the other two you can stay in there so i like I'm like, okay. And I'm like fiddling around pretending that I'm like trying to find my wallet and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to find my wallet. And I like accidentally, quote unquote, tap the passenger side window, pull it down. So it's like halfway. And she doesn't really recognize that I do that. And then as I get out, I'm like, I go to my mate, throw it out. I I literally just throw it out and I just get out. And as, as I'm there, I'm talking to this woman in front of the car. He's got this fucking foot long joint, literally like just under a foot long joint. And he's holding it there and it's just smoking where we've just like the embers still going. And he's waited until like all three of them are looking at me and he's just gone and just thrown it out the window into the bush next to us just immediately. Uh, I start talking to them. The guy's like, oh, we're going to have to search you. And then he starts asking me like, what you, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a university student. I'm just, I'm literally back for the weekend. So this is a bit of a nightmare. And he's just like, ah, oh, mate. He goes, what do you do at university? I'm like, oh, you're not going to like this. He's like, why? I'm like, oh, I do criminology and social policy. And he's like, oh my god. He goes, he goes, you of all people know you shouldn't be out here. I replied saying, I of all people know exactly how much I can have on me and be out here. And he's just like, oh right, <laughs> so I don't need to search your car then. I said, and I go word for word, nah, nah. Except for the crack in the boot, we're all good. And I'm just like joking around. He laughs. Da da da. Anyway. He goes, have you got any weed on you? I'm like, oh, no, nah, we literally just rolled the last bit. You know, it's we smoked it. We finished it as you pulled up. Gave, like, gave him my grinder. He, like, confiscated my grinder and had to write write us all a cannabis warning and then search us. Didn't search my car in the end, which is a bit weird. Um, gave us all a cannabis warning. It was just like, I'm going to come back here at 3 a.m. If the car's not here, I'm coming straight to your door and we're going to get you and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, ah. Oh. I was only, like, a 10-minute walk from home, so it was all right. Um, anyway... They they pull they, they they slowly pull off and we're all just stood outside the car like for fuck's sake, and then I didn't know at this point but the guy who threw out the joint he goes the joint's still there <laughs> we're like what he runs over and pulls up this eleven inch joint and it's still smoking after this like ten minute ordeal we just light it back up and carry on oh god it was but then we had to walk like fifteen minutes home and it was just an absolute nightmare um, and then I had to walk back and get my car in the morning that it was it was just like if you've ever been caught by the police for, for doing something stupid like that at 19 years old when I'm young and naive and and stupidly cocky like it was a crazy ordeal and I just yeah the, the worst thing was is that I said to the guy I said I said like how like why would you even come down here why would you even pull us over like I, like what's the point he goes to be honest mate I, I come down here on a jog sometimes and I remember seeing a guy who would jog past us when we were out here smoking. He goes, and I, and I can, and I've seen you guys like here smoking before. So I thought just on the odd chance while I was on duty, we'll just come down here and check. And that's what happened. And he found it. Oh, it was so annoying. It was so annoying, but it is what it is. Uh, that's the podcast guys. I know it's been a long one. I appreciate you guys for standing on for this long. Um, don't forget to drop a rating. I appreciate you guys for, 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 for supporting my journey. <laughs> Peace and love, everybody. We'll catch you next week on the Bridging the Gap podcast.